The views expressed in the podcast you are about to listen to are the opinions of the presenter and the cast. None of us are official representatives of the companies we work for, and we are in no way responsible for what we say. If you are offended or otherwise afflicted by these opinions, please push the unsubscribe button in iTunes and go do something else. Hotel room at uh, Fredrikstad Animation Festival 2010 with the famous Dick Clark. Okay. Uh, not so famous Dick King. Yeah. Okay, I thought it was Dick. Is it Dick Jones? Dick. Well, what's your name? You know what? I answer to anything. <laughs> and uh, depending on the on the rates and the money involved, I'll answer to any name. Can I call you Georgie Boy? You can call <laughs> me. You can call me Honey Pumpkin if you really want. But Dave King is 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 my is the name I was born with. So I guess we should stick with that. Okay, so Dave King is your name. Dave King. And who the hell are you? Who the hell is Dave King? <laughs> uh, who the hell is the guy dressed in the giraffe costume in the corner? That's what I need to know. This is a very strange setup you guys have here. That's my fun buddy. <laughs> uh, who is Dave King? Dave King is uh, an animation director, uh, scriptwriter, storyboard artist, and uh, of late associate professor at Volder University College School. Congratulations. I thought you were going to say a sociopath. Uh, well, the two often go hand in hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're not mutually exclusive, believe me. Um, now, I've just I've recently moved over to Norway, uh, to Volder, uh, which is a wonderful place for anybody who's never been there. Um, I thoroughly recommend the restaurants and the seafood is very good there. Um, it's a beautiful place uh, and there is a very highly regarded uh, school there, uh, which uh, is a media university, teaches photography, journalism, graphic design. And I'm the, in particular, I'm there to uh, work with the uh, animation course. Uh, which is, uh, I work with colleagues such as the legendary Gunnar Sturm mm. and Andres Mas, Mond, I'm sorry, sorry Andres, my, uh, my <laughs> erstwhile flatmate. Um, so I'm, I'm there to teach part-time uh, and also there is a push uh, to try and develop the animation industry and in fact the creative industries in general in the region. Uh, so my brief is uh, to help develop those industries, particularly animation. Um, it's early days. We're just beginning. Uh, we have a new course, which is a, a fourth year uh, industrial animation course that we're just starting up in January of the follow next year. Um, and so uh, and so that's that's the beginning of developing things in the region. Yeah. Maybe we should just go back a few years and start from the beginning of... Uh... Backtrack. We should do one of those... If, if This is this is not a visual thing, unfortunately, so you can't see what I'm doing. Yeah. But, but listeners, I'm, I'm waving my hands, and the whole screen is... <laughs> We're going back in time. Yeah. We're going back in time, and, and I have... Come on, you have hair. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so do I. <laughs> we all, strangely, have more hair, which is a bit odd. And uh, I'm wearing satin hot pants. Now. Oh, you're, wow. <laughs> I 
And the boots. Pink satin, hop hands and boots. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to uh, add some slightly blurred edges to that. <laughs> <laughs> like in the end of uh, Lord of the Rings. Exactly. In, in the yeah, yeah. there. Yeah, and much like the, the end of Lord of the Rings, this, this interview is going to go on forever. <laughs> like, the, like the last 20 minutes of Lord of the Rings, <laughs> which went on for six years in actual fact. In fact, it's still yeah. showing in cinemas. Yeah. Um, so where did your uh, business, or no, not your business, where did your career start out or... Uh, yeah, my I've had a very long and winding career to to sort of uh, mi- deliberately misquote the Beatles. I'm like a long and winding road. I've had a very long, unusual career. Um, I began uh, I began actually in the fashion industry, um, designing cartoon boxer shorts. Wow! Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I was I, I was very big in boxer shorts. Kind of more, more, <laughs> I had a pair of Barney Rubble boxer shorts. It's entirely possible they were mine. Because I, I, I thought they were so cool, I wanted to wear them out with shorts. <laughs> so I had almost <laughs> certain they were mine. I, hey, hey, Will, Will, drop your pants and maybe you'll be fine. Will, we look. <laughs> Hang on, we see your boxer shorts. to go back shorts. another ten years. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never wash these again. <laughs> I don't think I ever washed them. Um, so yeah, I, I started off designing in the in the I guess this would be the the mid mid 1980s mid to late 1980s uh, I got wrote I, I left St Martin's College of Art okay yeah where I had trained to be a film and video editor uh, got my degree in that uh, uh, but couldn't get any work whatsoever so I fell into my natural talent which was drawing. And boxer shorts. shorts just <laughs> happened to get, come and some money. <laughs> Somebody said to me, Dave, you will be big in boxer shorts. That's where the money is. Head, go west, young friend. Um, so I did. Uh, um, uh, and for several years, I was, I was drawing and designing fabrics for actually not just boxer shorts, but for different kinds of clothing. Um, and uh, until the bottom fell out of the market. Mm. never used that joke before Um, (laughs) um, and I I found myself working fairly soon in the comic book industry the English comic book industry Uh, in fact my first my very first paid work in the comic book industry was uh, lettering the word balloons and sound effects for imported Italian Disney comic strips that were oh, being published in England. Like the, the pocket books? Yeah, 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 all that kind of thing, absolutely. Oh, which and one I, did you... Did oh, it was Mickey Mouse and Goofy and Donald Duck. I mean, they're, they're, they were all... Kind they were of, being... They were to translate from Italian. Yeah, 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 yeah. They were... They were... Because it was for Egmont. Yeah, right. I see. Who, who, obviously, Huge, big European yeah, company, yeah. big European the publishing biggest. company. The yeah. biggest, in fact, yeah. yeah. Um, who had uh, massive, massive success in, in Italy in particular with their Disney comics. And so they were publishing these, the, republishing the Disney comics in the UK, reusing the comic strips, the, the artwork. artwork. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but obviously the word balloons and sound effects needed, needed reworking into English. And that was all done with hand. That was done yeah. by, it was absolutely done by hand. Was these the ones that had like all. every other page, page was black and white? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. the ones. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Memories. <laughs> <laughs> um, was this uh, like in the late 80s or mid this 80s? Would, I guess this would be, I guess the late 1980s. Yeah, so um, it's probably those environmentally, uh, um, well, some of those Disney characters yeah, at yeah. that time was uh, a lot about that stuff because it was hot at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so from lettering, I worked my way up uh, into uh, doing artwork, 
comic strips, drawing for comic strips. Which um, type? Oh, to begin with, let me see, it was, it was uh, I guess it was Looney Tunes. I think my first comic book work for, as, as an artist was Looney Tunes. Right. Um, and from that, I sort of started to move into other comic book work. And uh, eventually, um, the, the two things, the, the fashion industry stuff and the comic book work coincided because I was asked by a, 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 a garment design company uh, because I was doing comic book work, they looked at my work and they said, oh, we've got, we've just bought the license to do um, teen girls wear <laughs> for the first Batman movie. So the 1989 oh, nice. Batman movie with oh, yeah. Michael Keaton and, and Jack Nicholson, yeah, Tim yeah. Burton. Um, and so they had the license to do this. I told you it was a very bizarre career. Um, I, they had the license to do the, this clothing and they asked me to, to design the clothing for them. Uh, or the fabric prints for the clothing. So um, I obviously, I, I, okay, a little bit of uh, back information here. Um, Jack Nicholson made more money from the merchandising of that first Batman film than from the fee that he was paid to act in the movie. I may be exaggerating wildly here, but I think he made about $40 million wow. just from the merchandise. He, he had a very lucrative merchandising deal. So a bit like Han Solo. Oh, hang on, Han Solo. Like George Harrison Lucas. Ford, oh, yeah. oh, yeah, Harrison Ford. Yeah, yeah. Because Luke, uh, Luke, Luke. Luke, George. Luke, George, Hans. George, Luke. Mark Hamill took the fee, but yes. Harrison Ford signed the, yes. merchandising. the merchandising deal. Yeah, yeah and, took uh, less up front, and it was more the, at the back end. Uh, it was the income from the box office. It was Alec Guinness who signed the back end deal. Actually, really? it was Obi Wan. Oh, clever! It was Obi Wan who, it, obviously, the Force was with him. Yes, at so the Jedi Knight. <laughs> so similar. These aren't the deals you're looking for. <laughs> um, so, so I, de- I was, I was drawing this stuff for 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 the Batman film, and um, the likenesses, obviously, the likenesses of Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson, they had to go out to be approved by their their people, I guess it was, in in the US. Um, But Warner Brothers in the... It had to go through Warner Brothers in the UK. And this is where my involvement with Warners came in. Um, They they saw the artwork that I was producing and liked my stuff and asked me to get involved with their their sort of merchandising programme. And so I got sent out to Paris for for uh, what they call the Looney Tunes Design Looniversity. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was a bunch of artists from around the world. And so, uh, how old are you now? Then I uh, guess I would be. Uh, it was nineteen ninety, and I was I was born in nineteen sixty four. So I was sixty four, seventy. I was twenty six. Yeah, and uh, I was chosen as the British artist. For Warner Brothers merchandising, what a great accolade! Yeah, it was fantastic. It was, I was very proud of it. Um, and so they picked a bunch of artists from around the world, different territories from around the world, and we were taken out to Paris. And um, every day we were, they brought over, they flew over a bunch of the original directors from the Looney Tunes cartoons from the wow, sort of nineteen forties, fifties, and sixties cartoons. Wow! And we were. Uh, essentially, we were indoctrinated into the whole, uh, not just how to draw the characters, but the whole psychology of the characters. Why, why Bugs and Daffy do what they do with each other, how they interact. And it was, it was one of the most perfect times of my life. We would basically sit around all morning watching Bugs and Daffy cartoons. We would discuss the psychology of the characters. 
we'd be taken next. It was a converted stables in the middle of this beautiful park in Paris. Wow. And uh, every lunchtime, because, of course, they, you know, it was in Paris, yeah. they yeah, would take us to the stables next door, which was a convert, which were converted stables, which was a restaurant. And we would be treated to this wonderful four-course meal for every lunch, you know. So, so how um, many were at the Luniversity? I <laughs> guess, I guess. It's a good... Oh, okay. Time and alcohol have, have, have done, <laughs> dulled my senses, but I, yeah. I, I, I guess probably 15, 16 artists. And any of them... work with? Yeah, they, any of them... That are, Working now or successful uh, I've now? I've lost or? track of everybody. Okay, so uh, because my career is not not for any any sort of uh, sort of bad reasons, just because my career has taken me in yeah. completely different directions and away from from this point. Um, but it, and then in the afternoons we would just be we would go back into the the, the big room with the sort of wonderful drawing room we were in the university the university and we draw for the rest of the you know with these fantastic direct animation directors around us. So do you remember the directors? Yeah. Uh, the the guy I remember best is um, a guy called Art Leonardi. Right. Uh, who directed some Looney Looney Tunes cartoons in the, in the nineteen sixties. Uh, right. But is I guess is more famous for the Pink Panther. Oh, right. He Where directed was... many Pink Panther episodes. Of the, yeah, with Fritz Schrelling. Yeah. Um, uh, he directed loads of episodes of the TV series. You yeah. know, the, the Pink Panther TV series. Um, he was a fantastic guy. I mean, absolute font of information and knowledge for me. Um, uh, and so, so that was it. So then I went on and I became uh, the kind of the UK artist for Warner Brothers, um, began to work on all of their kind of licensed properties. Um, and at this time, I was still doing comic book work in the UK. I was, yeah. I was very much freelance at this. Um, and I guess I was drawing uh, news, uh, comic strips such as Count Duckula and Danger Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, Cosgrove yeah, Hall. Yeah. Cosgrove Hall stuff. Yeah. Um, which, all of this is kind of weird because it kind of dovetailed later on into my, my eventual eventual career in the animation industry. Yeah. Um, but I was kind of coming at it from a different angle. I was, yeah. I, it was comic books. Yeah. Um, so after a few years of this, uh, I, I guess it was 1992 or 93, uh, Warner Brothers Worldwide Publishing uh, were, were stepping up their program of, of comic book work with their characters. And they were based in New York at the time. And they sent uh, an editor called Katie Main mm-hmm. over. I, I, at that point, I was drawing for Marvel, Marvel Comics UK. And um, they sent an editor, they sent Katie Main over to, uh, to the UK to basically meet with a bunch of writers and artists in the UK to see what talent was around. I mean, this was a period in comic books when many uh, British talents were being taken out to the US. I mean, it was the whole period of Watchmen and The Dark Knight. And, yeah. and so mainstream superhero comic books, British talent was was being snapped up by the, yeah. by the US. And in the same way, humour comics were also being snapped up. by, And this was the, this was the beginning of that. And um, and I essentially, I guess I got headhunted by Warner Brothers Worldwide Publishing. Um, and I had always written stories. Mainly at that point, I was an artist. Yeah. But I'd also written stuff as well. And I was, I was kind of at a point where I wanted to write more. Um, so I persuaded Warners that I could, I could write for them. 
and uh, and and like suckers, they bought the idea. <laughs> Sorry, Katie, if you're listening to this, uh, I, I know you recognise my talent. It wasn't a point of being suckered into it. Um, and I became a writer for Warner Brothers Worldwide Publisher. I, I went on contract with them for the next six years or so, six seven years. Great, right. wow. um, which was wonderful. Um, they were a fantastic company to work for. So did this coincide with the, like the Space Jam because that's that whole it was it was before that actually it was before that Space Jam would have been about I it's guess about 95 96 yeah. maybe because I remember because I was studying uh, I was studying in Bristol but then I, I moved back to London to do okay. my to do my course at St Martin's yeah. oh right okay. and there was this huge push of the Warner Brother art sales yes. the Warner Brothers store so yeah. you had all this merchandise yeah. so that would, yeah, you yeah, would have yeah. been involved in that whole push. Yeah, very much so. This very, whole, very much so. That was yeah. all part and parcel of the, the, the programme that I was dealing with. Yeah. I mean, I was more on the comic book side, but I did deal with Warner Brothers Studio sort yeah. of stuff. Um, but I soon That's found something. myself writing, I mean, I began on uh, Tiny Toon Adventures, actually, okay, yeah, which yeah. was the, the first collaboration between Steven Spielberg yeah. and Warner Brothers. With the Animaniacs? With, uh, well, that came a little later. Yeah, okay. uh, it began with Tiny Toon Adventures. I guess it then went on to Batman the Animated Series, Yeah, yeah. Um, which was a huge success yeah, yeah. For, for, for sort of Warner Brothers animation. And Bruce Timm, was it? Bruce Timm and... Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, we just Paul redid the movie. Dini. Uh, the... Yeah. When that came out, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's for me, it's still Batman the Animated Adventures is still one of the best animated TV series of all time. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's without a doubt. I think we gave the done. mutant movie a, a, a Mask of the Phantasm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, oh, Mask of the Phantasm, yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah, cracking film, cracking yeah. film. They had just, I mean, one of the best teams of, of animation people and writers and producers. Um, yeah, I'm a big, big, big fan of that. But uh, but so yeah, then we went on to Animaniacs, and we were doing comic books with Animaniacs and Pinky and the Brain and Tasmania, yeah, um, <laughs> Beetlejuice. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah, fantastic little, very. Uh, it's a not. We were talking about this last night, I believe. But Beetlejuice, they did a fantastic animated series of Beetlejuice. Yeah, not many people have seen it. But yeah, wonderful little I think series. I've seen it. Yeah, I had it on well, VHS. yeah, it was it was released on VHS, but I don't think it's ever been released on DVD or Blu-ray. No. Warner Brothers, if you're listening, release Beetlejuice, the animated series, Get on it. cracking series. Get on it now. Um, so yeah, so I, I, it was a it was a fantastic period for me. It was a very productive period uh, working with the US, and and these comics were being published all around the world. Yeah. Um, I was also I was still doing lots of freelance work for the UK. Um, I was working uh, simultaneously for one of the the, the British tab, tabloid newspapers, one of the trash newspapers, the Red Tops. Uh, the, the Red Tops. I was wow. working for the Daily Star. Oh dear! Yeah, I mean, really. This was trashy's. Oh, you have the I, Sunday I'm, guys, I'm sorry if you're listening to this. I loved you dearly, and you paid Don't worry, my no one's you, listening. you paid my mortgage for many years. So I, I really did love you dearly. Um, I, I was I was writing a strip. Um, uh, called The Workers, which was a couple of building site characters. Oh, is that you? Right, yeah. That yeah, was me. Yeah. That was me. Um, <laughs> I read it in Greasy Cats. Yeah, Greasy of course, <laughs> absolutely the best the best place to read it. I always used to flip back. <laughs> the star had too much boobies for me to be Yeah. Well, I have to say, <laughs> actually, <laughs> one of the funniest... Yeah, 
I guess this would have been about 94, 95. There was a big thing in British newspapers of bingo cards. Yeah. Do you got well, guys, Norwegians, bingo. do you know bingo? We, we know about, you have a series of numbers. And yeah, yeah, we know bingo. Oh, you know bingo. Okay, you know bingo. Yeah. bingo. Right. Bingo. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. When in the mid-90s, all of the tabloid newspapers were giving out bingo cards with the newspaper wow. and people would play these bingo cards and, and you know waste tons of money on it and one person in a million would, would rake in a couple of thousand pounds it was a big money earner for the yeah. tabloids and so they decided to do the workers bingo which was fantastic for us I mean it gave the strip so much exposure um, but the best thing about it was um, okay listeners this is a weird thing you may not have this in Norway but in, in Britain we have a tradition of uh, semi-naked women on page three or page seven of oh, yeah. tabloid in the tabloid sun. The sun. Yeah. The page three girls. I in think the we sun. have some, something called Sunday Sunday that does that. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is daily wow. in, in, in oh, British newspapers. Sunday Sunday. You guys are Sunday. so far behind <laughs> us. We're so progressive when it comes <laughs> to boobs. Let Sun- me tell you, Sunday Sport had about twelve pairs. Sunday, Sunday yeah. Sport is nothing but boobs. Yeah. With, with the odd occasional made-up news story around it. Odd. Uh, odd, yeah, very odd. The, the recent one I read was KFC chicken breeding three-legged chicken. <laughs> so they can get more chicken legs per chicken. The scary thing is, <laughs> the scary thing is there is an audience that reads the, yeah. the, the Daily Sport or the Sunday Sport and yeah. believes that this stuff is true. Uh, Loch Ness Monster does not exist, honestly. <laughs> um, so so uh, the Daily Star, following on from the sun, the Sun had page three girls. Uh, the Daily Star had page seven girls. And for the opening week of our workers' bingo, they decided to do the page seven girls in workers' outfits every day. So they were in, Sorting. like, you know, a builder's hard hats and wearing tool belts and everything. Yeah. And, of course, myself and my, my drawing partner, Bill, uh, had to go along and supervise the photo session shoots, you know, to make sure that our characters weren't misrepresented. <laughs> it was one of the, the most hellish jobs I've ever had to do. A pair of tits hanging out, really. A pair of tits of... hanging around, you know, page seven girls. Yeah, awful. Awful, awful thing. Um, but we digress. <laughs> so this was my parallel UK career while this was going. Um, I, I'll keep this really brief, but I also went out to the... I, I went to live in... Uh, LA for a while, where I followed the uh, American dream of uh, pitching to the studios, pitching scripts to the, the studios, which I did. And we got a, to children's animation. No, or? no, for actually for live action films. Okay, well, yeah, wow. proper big grown up Hollywood movies. For and we, what uh, ages well, we uh, we got a we actually got a production deal with uh, a first look production deal with New Line Cinema. Wow, right. and this was pre. Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so at this point, yeah. they were very independent. And at this point, this? I guess this would be 95 or 96. Okay, so it's 
Well, seven was out at the time. Wasn't yes, it was around. I guess it was just before seven. That I mean, certainly, I, I remember that they were known at that point as the house that Freddie built because oh. Freddie Krueger oh, and yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street yeah. had made yeah, them a yeah. fortune. Yeah. Um, so we had, we had a first look script deal with with New Line Cinema, and we we wrote a script which ultimately was was never made. Uh, for a whole bunch of reasons, which we'd need a whole separate podcast to tell you about. <laughs> okay, uh, so that's next week. Yeah. That's next week. Next week, part two, <laughs> listeners, next week. Um, but it was a great experience. I mean, it was an amazing experience. that I, I We went through the whole Hollywood thing out there, and it was, it was entertaining, if nothing else. Yeah. Um, and I guess around this time, I, I began to get itchy feet in my career. Um, Partly spurred on by the fact that I'd been doing something different in in LA. Um, so you you liked this script writing? And... I did. It was all. It was just also the fact that I'd been working in in comic books for a few years by this point. A bit and, stale, and a bit... I, I just kind of. I'm I'm quite piratical by yeah. nature. Okay. Uh, I, I, you know, I kind of every now and again I need to feel the wind at my back and and sort yeah. of take me somewhere different. Yeah. Um, and this was just a time where, and actually, the, the the British comic book industry was not in a good state by that time. So I was kind of watching what was going on around me. Also, felt it was time to move on and do something different. I had dabbled in animation before. In fact, I uh, trained at art college as a film and video editor and yeah. did animation as well. So up until then, you hadn't really done any. No, I'd done little bits and pieces. Uh, in fact, my I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna make lie of what I said was my first job earlier when I left art college. Mm -hmm. Earlier on, I said it was uh, boxer shorts. I've just remembered that my very first job was uh, paint and trace. Ah. Cell work, paint and trace for a medical video <laughs> of all things, which I think was about kidneys or something like that. And I might be wrong. I might be doing myself a disfavour, but I was not, I was only on it for about a week or so. Can you remember the production? Company oh or? no, I'm no too one, senile. I'm no really too there, senile. Uh, I think the guy's name was Mike. Is all I can remember. <laughs> the guy's name. Oh yeah, Mike, I know Mike. You'll be listening in. I'm sure yeah. everybody knows Mike. Well, your name is Mike. My name is Dick. <laughs> no. I'm Dick Clark. Was <laughs> something Jones. No, it's, uh, it's Davy Jones. I'm also I'm also known under the pseudonym of Davy Jones, and I sing for the monkeys. Oh. <laughs> um, so I, I'd, I'd done little bits and pieces of animation work, a little bit of design work here and there, and uh, around this point, I got asked by a friend of mine called Sean Mayer who I was at art college with um, he had been chosen to be the animation director of uh, a music promo video for U2 um, and so he asked me to come in as art director for this video and uh, is this the, the it was it was Batman it was so, a comic book uh, yeah, so the comic book, that exactly, the yeah. comic book connection was there. Sean knew that was my background, that yeah. I was very much into comic books, so I would, would be able to bring the right sort of mentality yeah. into this promo video. Um, so it was for, it was for Batman Forever, I guess. Yeah, Batman Forever. Hold Me, Kill Me, Thrist. Frisk me, frisk me. Okay, this was the alternative alternative version. Hold me, kill me, frisk me, rub me down with a wet cloth. That was the version you two never recorded. Hold me, fist me. 
<laughs> now that really was the alternative version. <laughs> Hold me, thrill me, kiss me, kill yeah. me. Yeah. Uh, from Batman. Forever. That was huge. Though. It was a huge set. Yeah. It was a really my favorite huge set. Great uh, video. Do you know what? Great Actually, video. thank you very much. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I think I'm proud of it, and I know the guys that worked on it are very proud of it. It was produced in a very short space of time. So, who, which production company was uh, it? It was at the time. It was called Manga Video. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, who were based <laughs> very romantically in Stoke-on-Trent? Yeah. Yeah. Which is where we made the video. Which is uh, where they make pottery. Well, they yes. Did up into the yes. Video. No, that's absolutely yeah, true. Yeah. Um, and so we made it up. There was a little animation studio up there uh, that had been set up by uh, uh, by Sean, my yeah. friend, and by a guy who figured much later in my life as well called Andy Frame, an animation producer, oh, yeah. who actually started up Manga Video in the UK. Now, Manga Video was a, a 1990s VHS video. Because they bought videos. Of co- yeah, of yeah. course. Well, May- Andy brought Akira to the West. Yeah. So he essentially set up an anime video. Co- he, he was blown away, but we're really digressing here. But he was blown away by Akira when he saw it and figured that there would be, that there was something fresh with this anime stuff, which at that point had not really been seen in the West. Yeah. And he had been working for Island Records, uh, and he persuaded Chris Blackwell, the owner of Island Records, uh, to set up an audiovisual arm of Island, which was originally called Island Audiovisual. Very uh, imaginative. That was a long that was, that, was a, that was a big stretch. Um, <laughs> that was before multimedia. That was be- this is very pre-multimedia. Um, and so uh, eventually that, that morphed into Manga Video, which of course was completely wrongly named, because yeah. as anybody listening to this I'm sure knows, Manga is in fact, uh, well the direct translation is Irresponsible Images. Uh, and it's it means comic books. Yeah, because anime is... Yeah, yeah. anime is animation. Uh, but Andy really liked the word manga. And actually, he's right. It's a very hard, tough word. I think it became very iconic. I, I remember it's Absolutely yeah. iconic. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. Uh, Even down to the logo. Absolutely. Was, I can, yeah. yeah, I can still see the logo yeah. now. I remember, I remember I bought the, the Ghost in the Shell double VHS. It was like a huge... That's the one. With, yeah. uh, was well, the, Andy, the Andy Frame is, in fact, the only Western co-producer of Ghost in the Shell. Oh. Uh, Thanks, Andy. Thank you, Andy. Yeah. God bless you, man. Um, I didn't like it. <laughs> we have Andy, to have a chat Andy, yeah, 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 yeah. Listen, you should come back over to Norway, man. I always fall asleep midway through that movie. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> he just falls asleep anyway. Yeah, Masame Shira, please, please don't come over and kill this man. <laughs> um, so, so I'm digressing. So, so Andy had set up this animation company, a, a separate animation arm with with Sean, uh, and uh, and and their first big project was the U2 video. So I was brought in as as art director. And we had, I guess, three and a half weeks to produce the animation uh, for the promo. And it was a lo- it's a long track. It's about a five and a half, six minute track. Yeah, there's, um, there, there's a sort of uh, cinematic at the beginning. Isn't yeah, there? yeah, 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 absolutely. And, and, and actually, I listened to it recently, and it is a cracking song by U2. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's a really cracking song. I don't really like U2, but that song is... It's a good one. Exceptionally good. It's yeah. really exceptionally good. Can you say so, the budget that you got for it? Do you know what? I had, it was not, I can't remember the budget. It was not high. It was right. not a high budget video, even uh, though it was for Island Records. Yeah. Um, but we, we I, I think my two biggest contributions 
uh, as art director, we, we were really under the gun to get yeah. it done. So uh, it was also going to be mixed in with live action clips from yeah, the movie. Yeah. Uh, so they had to be taken into consideration. And in fact, the, the, the director of the promo was Kevin Godley mm-hmm. of Godley and Cream, yeah, yeah. ex-10CC. Yeah. And Kevin Godley, no, by that no. point, was a, a hugely <laughs> successful promos <laughs> director. Okay, everyone be quiet. Yeah, we'll carry on we'll carry <laughs> okay. Let's have some 10CC. Um, so Kevin Godley, Kevin Godley was director. Uh, Sean Mayer was animation director. And I think my biggest contribution was two things. One, um, I suggested, I, I, and Sean, you, if you're listening, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe my, my memory says that I suggested not much lip, lip sync. Yeah. I might be wrong about that. But I know for a fact the one thing I did suggest, and I was very influenced by Dark Knight Returns and by the uh, by the graphic novel by Frank Miller and David, sorry if I'm pronouncing this wrong, Mazzuccelli, I think, uh, called Batman Year One. Yeah. Which yeah, used lots yeah. of black yeah. in the artwork, lots of shadow. And my reasoning was we should use lots of black in the video, lots of shadow in the video, because essentially and the, the, the video, the animation for the video was done very old school. It, this was pre-digital age. Yeah. So it was done cell. It was cell animation. And my reasoning was um, if, if all we had to do was just paint black everywhere, that was going to be much quicker to produce than, yeah. than a big high color, you know, big palette, color palette range. Um, so I know that I definitely suggested the the, the dark shadow shadowy effect yeah. for it, and it was it worked. I mean, it really yeah, worked yeah, with the video, uh, um, and and worked with the whole comic book theme as well. It's fantastic! It's great. Yeah. It's uh, it's one of the ones you remember. Thank you and very I, much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You pretty, uh, Thank I you. Mean, you should put a link to it on, uh, yeah, on yeah. the site. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's it's. I mean, I, we everybody worked on it. It's very proud of it. Even so, to this day. So you two's involvement was it much or was it they? Uh, no, no, no. They had a big say in it. You okay. know, because obviously we were using again. We were using the likenesses of the band. Yeah. Um, isn't Bono like wearing a mask? Yeah, for sure. Like the, the, the whole theme, the whole theme of the video at that time. You two were very much into their Zeropa tour, yeah. and Bono was into the whole identity the, yeah. thing of, of the fly yeah. which who was the guy with the, the big sort of sunglasses yeah. 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 and McFisto which was the guy dressed like yeah. the devil okay. yeah McFisto actually yeah fisting seems to be coming into this conversation quite a lot already um, but no McFisto was the guy dressed like the devil that, that Bono would do as an identity on, on the Zoo Tour, Zoo TV Tour. Right. Which, yeah, yeah. which is where he famously rang the President of the United States to order pizza yeah. for everybody in the stadium. Um, so, so Bono already had this, this, uh, this thing of identity and masks, which the video very much tied into. Yeah. And, of course, with Batman. Which again is masks identity. Yeah. Um, so the the themes behind it were, were quite strong actually as yeah. a video, um, and so the whole video was was actually the origin of the fly and McFisto and how they come around, um, tied in with clips from the Batman film and, and original animation. Um, I think my proudest contribution actually was uh, a scene a, a single shot towards the end of the video where uh, as the track is winding down there's a big string section yeah. that starts playing lots of cellos and, and bass and everything and uh, and we came up with this idea to to have a, an orchestra of batmen so yeah. there's a shot at the end yeah, of the video yeah, yeah, where yeah. there's dozens and dozens of batmen 
playing cellos and double bass and everything. And and in fact, uh, I also I'm not an animator. I am an animation director, but I make the big distinction that I'm not an animator. I don't have the patience to animate. Uh, but I actually laid out the the shots for that. That was my my big animation contribution to Proudest the show. Moment. Proudest moment. Um, so we, we turned the video around in time and it premiered on uh, for MTV New, in New York. Uh, and in fact, we eventually went on to win, I think, two MTV awards. So just the video, was, it was everywhere. I remember even going to the record yeah. stores and they were playing it on the screens. Yeah. And, uh, it's exactly. never got, as a comic book fan myself, I never got bored of no. seeing no. that. And, you know, no. and, and, and as you said, it was all like the uh, Dark Knight year yeah. one. All that came out after Totally the, the right time. And, and the yeah, irony absolutely. is what Joel Schumacher did to Batman then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah isn't it? Well, you know, Nichols, I, I know, I know. Uh, Joel... <laughs> Dear Joel, who, who, who I ended up meeting and, and befriending for a while, uh, you know, he's, he's a great guy and he's very gregarious, but I think even he, he would yeah. be the first person to admit that he went very, very wrong with Batman and Robin. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you can't, he's made Tigerland, he's made... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's made some cracking movies. movies. Yeah, yeah. Falling Down. Yeah. You know, it's is a wonderful film. Yeah. Um, but I think even he knows, and I'm sure he'd be the first to admit that, that Batman and Robin kind of killed the franchise. You <laughs> for know, a while. Effectively, for a while, yeah, until... God bless Christopher Nolan. Sort of and pick, uh, picked up some speed again. Uh, Christopher Nolan. <laughs> but it's know. a completely different take on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, Batman Begins just yeah. completely refreshed it. Um, and uh, and then of course he went on to make the single, one of the single best superhero films, which is Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, you know, wonderful movie. Um, so this <laughs> this this promo gave me a massive massive taste for working in animation. And um, I, I came to a point in my career where I said, okay, I want to work in animation. And so I, I, I guess I, I could have done things in a, in a more practical way. I just, I essentially... uh, sorry, just go back to the Batman video. Yeah. Were you still working with Warner Brothers then? Or, uh, I, mean, just I, I, I think timing-wise, I'm trying to remember, but I think... Because the whole Batman thing was Warner Brothers. It was, and so... yet bizarrely, I think the two things were quite separate. Really? Because I was okay. working hmm. mainly with publishing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just wondered uh, if it was. Yeah, no, weirdly, it was. It was the two things were absolutely nothing to do with one hmm. another. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, the, the the music promo came around because of Sean, not you because know. of your absolutely. No, I mean, I guess they they knew that I was I was working in comic books and that I was working with Warner's, but it certainly it did us no favors at all on yeah. the promo. You know, the, the the whole approvals process was was completely separate. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it gave me a massive taste for working in animation. And uh, the time constraints didn't scare you off. I kind of got a buzz from it, yeah. frankly, uh, which I'm sure anybody that works in animation will, will confirm it. It's time constraints are both terrifying and wonderfully exciting. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you, you, you get into the whole vibe of working together and pushing towards a deadline and trying to make it. And it is, uh, while you're in it, it's horrendous. But at, when you come out the other side of it and you've achieved it and you pulled it off, it's it's an amazing sense of achievement. Yeah. But I'm um, guessing time constraints wasn't new to you. You've been in the business. No, no, world. no. Of course, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I was I was already a professional in the comic book industry, certainly, and, and yeah. we had time constraints on that. Yeah. Um, every business has. Every so. business has it. I mean, I think it's I think those constraints are heightened in the animation industry. 
especially at the, the kind of ends that I work at storyboarding scripting not so much with the directing because you're involved in that all the way through but certainly scripting and storyboarding which I, I, I still do a lot you're kind of at the start of the process and you have a whole team of people that are waiting for your work and and if you screw up deadlines at your end then everything else it's like a dot as you know it's like a domino effect I know I'm, I'm teaching my grandmother to suck eggs by saying this <laughs> But it's like a domino effect. So at the start of the process, if you screw up, the whole process is getting behind. Um, so, yeah, yeah, deadlines, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. But for me, that's part of the attraction. Where did that bring you? Uh, it actually, it did immediately, it did, funnily enough, it didn't bring me anywhere. Except for the realisation that I wanted to work in animation. Yeah. So how many um, months was it before? I, I, yeah, it's a good question. I, I, what I decided to do at that point was because actually... things were booming in England. Things were Britain, booming at that London. point. Yeah, it was a yeah. good time. It was yeah. a very what, good what time. What year are we in? I guess 96-ish yeah. at oh. this point. 95, 96. Um, and I, I, what I figured was that I was coming out of the comic book industry. Um I, there's a big correlation between comic books and storyboarding. Yeah. They're not the same thing, despite what, you know, the, I know it's an easy, lazy comparison to say, oh, a storyboard is just a, com a comic book. It's absolutely not. It's, it's, it's two different languages, yeah. but they share a lot of the same syntax within yeah. that language. Um, and so I, I, I thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to storyboard. That's why I'm going to start out doing and see where I go so I literally began my career from scratch and began just let me do that for you listeners there we go I began knocking on doors um, <laughs> um, and it took a while you know because I had uh, apart from uh, I mean the art direction of, of the promo was kind of the only calling card I had which certainly opened a, a couple of doors um, but, but I was relatively inexperienced and uh, I think the first company to actually say, yeah, we'll take a chance on you was a company, uh, a London company called Collingwood O'Hare. Thank you, Tony, um, who uh, gave me a break on a series called Pond Life. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Dolly, Dolly Pond. Yeah. What was the name of the creator? Candy Guard. Candy Guard. There Candy you go. Guard. Hey, Candy. Yeah. Um, it, for those of you that don't know, uh, Pond Life was a, a late night adult animated series. Yeah. Um, in many ways, kind of a pre-Sex in the City. Yeah. Because it was it was very much the concerns of, of an everyday woman, Northern who, girl, Northern girl who yeah. worried yeah. about yeah. her weight, yeah. animated, yeah. yeah, worried about her weight and having sex and her ex boyfriends and so yeah, kind of very very gritty, yeah, very kind of gritty, yeah, like very English. English. What was style like? Oh, really simple line style, very very simple line style, which was great for me, you know, as, as this was the first time I was storyboarding fully on a series, so the style was really easy for me to slot into. And actually that's that's also one of the advantages I found as a storyboard artist because my years as a comic book artist and licensed character artist had uh, basically gave me the ability to adapt to different styles, yeah. different drawing styles, different art styles. So when it came to storyboarding, I could slot in with different series and different styles very, very easily. Um, so I storyboarded, I, 
several episodes of, of Pond Life, I was guess. This, uh, in, is this in Acton or? It was. They were yeah, in Acton. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Um, I, I didn't. I didn't work in house very often. Right. I yeah. found as a freelancer that I could usually work from home. Which is quite common with the storyboard. Yeah, right? for sure. Yeah, that's absolutely. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you usually went in to meet with with the director and, yeah. and sort of go through scripts, but most of it you didn't need to be there all the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, thank God. Thank God. Shit. Absolutely, Acton. <laughs> sorry, anybody that's listening to this that comes from or lives in Acton but really it's a shithole um, <laughs> we would digress for a second and yeah, just sure. talk about uh, what it's like working alone like that I mean, and sitting uh, for, by your, you're basically mm. sitting there by yourself mm. with your yeah. paper and you have to yeah so it's in, get I, something I, done well again you know, a lot of that came from the comic book industry which was all most of it was done from home I yeah. mean I, I, I don't think I ever worked in house with a comic book company well is that something you prefer <sighs> For a while I did. I certainly enjoyed it while I was doing it. You didn't miss having people around you? Uh, yeah, I mean, eventually I did, actually. And, and I guess that was one of the reasons that I wanted to get into animation, was that it was much more about teamwork, even though, ironically, I started off in storyboarding, which <laughs> I was still doing at home. But, um, yeah, I kind of... I, I think I think working on your own from home is, is not a bad thing. Uh, it's a different way of working. And I think you have to be very self-disciplined. Yeah very strongly self-disciplined yeah. because you 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 know you have to set your own hours and, and getting up in the morning getting up in the morning and, and, and cleaning the fridge and yeah, playing exactly the guitar, and, playing the guitar and, and you know you need to have a wank and you know there's there's lots to do uh, before you start work there's lots of distractions basically did you have uh, the internet at that time uh, well in the co- um, comic book days yeah. very very pre-internet Wow. Very pre-internet. Of I mean, course, of course. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. Is, no, not even dial-up. No, yeah. no, no, no. This is pre-dial-up. Um, Ninety-five okay. was sort of the, the breaking point of internet getting. Yeah, but that's the that was the breaking point. Available. But that doesn't yeah. mean so everybody had it. No, no, no. no, no. I didn't have it. No, 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 no. I mean, uh, just just to backtrack slightly, working with Warner Brothers Worldwide Publishing. I mean, I think I mentioned earlier when I started working with them, they were in New York. Um, uh, very shortly after I began working to them, they moved over to LA. And so that meant that my editors would get in nine, ten o'clock in the morning their time. And of course, mm. that's like three thirty, four o'clock UK time. Yeah. So just as my editors were beginning work, I was ready to kind of wind the day down. Yeah. Um, that, 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 was, that became a very strange period of my life in terms of working hours, because it essentially meant that I was often writing through the night. I wasn't with 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 the, the this kind of stuff that was published by DC Comics. It was mainly writing, script writing, um, and and often it would mean working from you know we'd have script meetings at, at three or four o'clock UK time, and I would need to just carry on writing and writing and, until I could get stuff through to them the following day. Uh, so my working hours became very very peculiar. I became very nocturnal. Um, for wanking hours, lo- wanking hours. Well, I guess I could still fit that in during the day. You know, that wasn't so much of an issue. Because <laughs> as as, as as you replenish the sink. That's absolutely, yeah, yeah. You know, and and it was quite pressurised. You know, so you needed a release of tension at some point. You know, I'm going to say, but with you going on to Candy Garden, yeah, Colin, was that a bit with? Doing the art direction on such a successful video. Oh, that was not. No, no. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, yeah. then having to do the storyboard. Did yep. you feel like ah, this isn't what I wanted? Did no, you, no. Did you feel I, no, 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 absolutely down? not. Oh, right. um, it's it's a weird thing. Even now, and I guess 
it's a weird thing. You know, I'm an, now I'm an animation director. And to be a director, you have to have an ego. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. You, because you are the, the focal point yeah. of, of creative decisions on, on And you think you have one of those? Oh, I've... I've <laughs> re- listeners, what do you think? Do I have an ego? Have you picked this up yet? <laughs> I rubbed your ego last night. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, of course. I th- I, in fact, I think me- most creative people have egos. But who, um, uh, who directed the Candy Guard series? Oh, Neil, that's Was it Candy Guard or was I it... I guess it was. Yeah, I think it was. I think yeah. Candy was direct on it. Yeah. But but as, at the same time as I have an ego, I'm also... I'm weirdly pragmatic. Yeah. Um, and I, I, can, I can dampen the ego down when I need to. And so if you're working as a storyboard artist or... Uh, yeah, if you're working as a storyboard artist, you're... You're certainly there to help the director, yeah, and you are there to make creative suggestions. But often you're there to just do what the director, what yeah. the director's vision is. And you okay with that? I'm, I, yeah. I can be fine with that. Yeah, um, it's a case of it's almost just like changing lanes, depending on on what you're working on. If I'm directing stuff, then I, I then I have to put the ego back up. If that's part and parcel of what you do. Um, and, and it's always there. You always want to protect your work creatively, but I think you need to be practical. If you're doing something like storyboarding or, or, or you're an animator, and this is not to denigrate animators, animators should be creative, but of course they are also there to tell the story that the director and the scriptwriter and the producer or whoever wants They're to tell. They're like actors. I, it's, that's a very strange word for you to use because it's I when I teach at Volder mm. um, I always tell my students you as an animator uh, you're, you're an actor yeah. that's what animators are yeah yeah as a director I work with animators who are actors those actors are bringing performance yeah. out of the character yeah. that's I always thought of, of myself as an actor yeah, or sort of for sure but you know, and and that's, I mean, one of my big things is that I always say to, to sort of my students, you should be working with a mirror yeah. constantly in front of you because you should be looking at your own performance. That's, you know, as, 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 as an actor or an animator, you, you, you hone your craft through observation. We, we look at the people around us. We, we watch the way people walk and talk and move and speak. Um, so the best way for animators, students, student animators to learn those, those, those disciplines is by, first of all, looking at themselves and by other people. Yeah. So I, I, I absolutely agree with you. I think animators are actors. You know, a live action director works directly with an actor to find a performance. An animation director also works with actors, of course, because they work with voice artists but they also work with animators who bring out the the, 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 the visual style of the of the performance. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in complete agreement with there that. There is that sort of fine line between rotoscoping and just picking up uh, little things that... I, details no, that no, 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 that's too, that's, uh, there's a huge difference between rotoscoping and, and, and an animator. Huge difference. Oh, yeah, sure. An animator... Uh, does not mean when you're when you're uh, filming yourself and sit or sitting oh in sure the video. Uh, yeah absolutely but, but that's but just to get the mechanics yeah right. yeah it's not yeah way. or it's yeah. Uh, it's a nice way to add little details that you wouldn't have yeah, thought for of certain because you get inspired by that's the research you can absolutely. do it in your way and get it it's re- it's a blueprint yeah. yeah 
an animator, yeah, if you're filming yourself or you're looking at yourself in the mirror or you're watching a person on the street, um, an animator should use that as, as the guidelines. But actually, you're not animating that person. You're not animating yourself. You're animating the character in the production that you're working on. However, you can you use the, you use yourself or other people or your yeah. sense of observation as a as a kickoff point. Yeah. Um, which which I think makes the animation far more believable. Mm. But but you have to invest that animation with with whatever character it is you're working with. Um, so yeah, so to go back, uh, yeah, ego is that you, you you have to use your ego in different ways depending on what you're this, working on. Uh, I don't know if you think this is a good technique, but I I rarely use any video or anything like that. Maybe I should. I've seen people do it with success. Like Morton is truly. Sure. It's always been because I like to see myself on. Yeah, <laughs> and there's the ego. There's the ego. <laughs> but I always always felt like if you if you have the character in you, on the screen and you can relate to that, you can sort of act stuff out and feel and sort of um, feel how 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 a certain action feels mm-hmm. and then transfer it to the character based on yeah, of your, course. I, I, exactly your, what I'm saying. That's exactly so, it. so I'm often sitting there just doing all these kinds of things with my face yep. or doing or just getting up and just dancing a bit with my hands yeah, and doing yeah. like a certain it doesn't have to be I, I don't have to jump around on the floor to feel how it would be to Jump, but uh, just to feel the weight and then go yeah. back and feel yeah. that weight on the character. We know, I mean, even to, to carry on that analogy of animators as actors, you know, different actors have different methods. Yeah, sure. Yeah. When they're preparing for roles, you know, whether it's method acting or uh, Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe, and yeah, Stanners, Stanners. Oh, I wish there was an actor here to help me out. Stanislav Method or something. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't it Ali Guinness? Was there, I think he was interviewed once about us. Well, are you acting methods, but like, do you, are you into method acting? And he was like, so, I mean, do you like, live like that for three years or whatever? And he was like, no, that wouldn't be acting. You know, he just... <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 But it's interesting. I wonder if you could do something like that as, as an experiment. Do some method acting in animation. <laughs> that How would do be you combine interesting. That? that would be very interesting. Maybe you should uh, do like a week at your school. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. we, we might be animating squid soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so I guess yeah. So then that that was it. I was I was on the road as a storyboard artist, and um, next job was like, next yeah. job. Yeah. Uh, Several years, next next few years, I worked as a storyboard artist. I was working a lot with Cosgrove Hall yeah. on on shows such as NG Benji, Andy Pandy, Rotten Ralph, huh? um, Fifi, Fifi, yeah, great names, uh, Fifi and the Flower Tots. Oh right, so so um, that was that's that's a massive, project. massive. I mean, tons of series animation. So um, that was your first animation directing job, then. Okay, well, that, okay, that's a good question. Um, at the same time as being a storyboard artist, uh, so simultaneously, I had established freelance contact with Cartoon Network UK. Yeah. Um, I thank you. I became, they were based in was it Rathbone? Oh, when I when I began working with them, they were based on Soho Square. Right. Okay. Uh, but Rathbone Place was where they started. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and so I I began doing um, artwork with them. I mean, just character artwork. Um, and continue to do artwork with them at at the same time as being a freelance storyboard artist in the animation industry. Um, 
I guess after, let's see, I think I started working with Cartoon Network UK in about 98 or 99. And uh, around 2001, they were approached by uh, a couple of guys, one of whom used to be in the British white reggae band UB40. (laughs) Which one was that? Uh, Oh! Not the lead singer then. Little, you're going to kill me if you're listening to this. I'm really sorry I've forgotten your name. But he was the keyboard player, I think. So um, the, uh, you'd be funny if they had the... Red, red, wine. Rat in the kitchen. Yeah, rat in the kitchen. The, 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 I don't like reggae. No, that, no. Now that was 10cc. Oh, one of whose <laughs> member was Kevin Godley, who who directed the Batman video that oh, I did. I'm yeah. not in love. <laughs> You're looking at me as you're saying that. And I'm very disappointed. Um, you need to. I need to brush you. <laughs> um, so yeah, so two, these two guys basically have come up with uh, an idea, very much influenced by Gorillas. Yeah, uh, of an animated pop group. So but, what, what, but, was, uh, yeah, this was the Passion did Gorillas, didn't they? Yeah, Passion did Gorillas, yeah. and uh, or they did the music promos for Gorillas. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was created by Damon Albarn Julia, and Jamie yeah. Hewlett, yeah, yeah, who yeah. was the Tank Girl uh, uh, co-creator. Um, so, so these guys, uh, Jimmy, li- little Jimmy, <laughs> that was the guy from UB40, the keyboard, um, the keyboard player. <laughs> I can't remember. Uh, I, I, I can't, can't remember his surname. I'm sorry, Jimmy. I'm really <laughs> I can't sorry. You, Jimmy you Small. Remember that, uh, that? That's the same as your name, Jimmy. No. No. I'm Dick. I'm Dick Clark or Davy Jones, <laughs> aka Dave King. <laughs> this makes no sense. To me. It makes it no sense. Jimmy's... This is getting very strange. Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy Jones. No, Jimmy. Jimmy Jones. James. James. Jimmy James. James. Jimmy James. Was it? He was a blues singer, I think. <laughs> okay. Alan, you um, need your you need your rabbit's ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so these guys came to they they'd come up with an idea of a teen girl R and B stroke pop oh, yeah, group. Yeah. yeah. Um, cool animation, animation, yeah, like very, very, very like the gorillas. But oh, I and d- like uh, the one we saw, the, the solar system, uh, oh, just that like seven, seven, yeah. Ooh. Oh, gem and holograms, but there's something other one, interstellar something or another. There was another one, five, 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 no, interstellar five, 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 the the. Yes. Yes. Oh, that was Daft Punk. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was da- yeah. No, that was a little different. This was horrible movie. I never saw it. I never <laughs> saw it. Horrible videos, horrible anyways. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so gorillas. Yes. Pop. You know the fa- the animated face of a non-existent pop group. Yeah. That they never it. made a movie. They just did the shorts, right? Uh, uh, gorillas have been very successful in terms of their shorts, though. I mean, over the years, oh, yeah, and yeah, and yeah, as a live yeah. act as well. Yeah. You know, they've become yeah. very successful as a live act. Um, so V Birds was the name of the group, the V Birds. That's your favorite show, Will, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Will. Yeah. weren't you telling me last night you had V Birds posters up on your bedroom wall? I think uh, V Birds. V Birds. Yeah. I think yeah. I lost my virginity into a, <laughs> into a toilet oh, tube. Now I, that disturbs me immensely. <laughs> I, I need to get that image out of my head. No, no, um, no. V Birds. V for virtual. Oh. Virtual birds. So virtual your your birds. your involvement was to... <laughs> okay. So uh, so these two guys had come to cartoon and they'd had the idea for this cartoon pop go- pop group. 
uh, approached Cartoon Network. And your position at Cartoon Network was uh, at that uh, point, I was I was doing storyboarding for on-air char- channel idents, yeah, okay, uh, yeah, and lots of character artwork for very various different things. For yeah. Them. Um, at the same time as because being they, storyboard they didn't artists. really produce anything. No, no, there's, no, 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 no. Uh, at that, that point, US, at that it? point, everything was brought in from the US. Yeah. All of their animated shows were brought in from the US. Yeah. And I guess we're talking the period of Cow and Chicken, Powerpuff yeah. Girls, Dexter's, Dexter's Laboratory, Johnny Bravo. Yeah, oh, a, a very successful time yeah, for yeah. Cartoon Network. Yeah. Um, so uh, the idea, I, I, I was initially brought in to do some design work on the characters, along with a uh, very talented illustrate, uh, illustrator, Serge Seidlitz, Seidlitz. Um, and uh, eventually I was brought in to do some storyboarding on the, on the sort of initial concepts for the series. Um, I, I have to say, and again, I apologise to any of my Cartoon Network uh, cohorts that are listening to this, but it was not the most organised of productions. Um, they kind of gone into it because they had never done any in-house production at all in the UK. They were a little unprepared for it. Yeah. And uh, eventually I, I, I kept saying to them, look, you need an animation director. You should bring an animation director in on this because you need a focus for it. Um, and uh, eventually they called my bluff and said, you know what? You should direct this. And uh, Any like, hesitation? Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Retrospectively, no. <laughs> uh, no, it was, it, yeah, actually, yes, a, a little hesitation because it was a, a fairly unprepared production. Yeah. So I knew that I was taking on, especially as a novice director, yeah. I was taking on a little bit of a poison chalice. Yeah. Um, and so it, I, I was literally thrown into the deep end. And, and so were Cartoon Network because they had a completely un, untried and untested director on their hands. I'd certainly, I'd been an art director and I'd been a storyboard artist and a script writer, but I'd never directed. And, uh, and, and for any of you listening that, who have, who are directors or have directed, you know, it's a, it's a big task with a, with a crew behind you and a broadcaster who has set air dates for the shows to go on air. Um, so what was the time frame to get it on time air? frame i guess i guess i guess i guess it was about two and a half three months but but they weren't they were very short shows um but, but it was a they... very odd format okay. um it was at the same time that oh, i hope i can pronounce his name right gendy tartovsky oh, powerpuff girls, of yeah. powerpuff samurai, girls jack. samurai jack, jack. He was, he was, at that point, he was just starting the first series of Star Wars, The Clone Wars. Right, right. Which were, I think the first season was like two minute episodes or something. Or yeah, three minute they were, episodes. They were, yeah. So Cartoon Network UK decided to follow that kind of blueprint. So V Birds, it was decided that V Birds was going to go out over the course of a week in one minute episodes every day. Yeah. So on Monday, you'd have episode one. On Tuesday, episode two, and then at the end, and so so on and so on, and at the end of the week, the whole on the Saturday, all five episodes would be shown back to back as a as a, a full five minute sort of uh, um, full on proper episode. Yeah. Um, so it was an odd format to work to, and I was script, I was co scripting as well on this. 
Um, it's sort of like the old uh, newspaper cartoons where yeah, you follow Batman absolutely and, you know, very much I like that I can never follow actually. those no it's, it's tough <laughs> you just cut them out and glue them to pieces of paper so oh, did I me too well I used to glue them in photo albums um, yeah. but so it's, you, just, you totally lose the thread yeah you that. do and it's it's not an easy format to especially with animation it's really not an it easy format it probably worked in the 50s and 60s when people were I guess so or, but you know, no, yeah. it's frustrating. It's like with the Phantom. There's like there's like one panel, and he's talking to someone, and then yeah. apparently he's running off and fighting someone. And you just yeah, oh, I don't you got to cut it out. Well, it's it's yeah. it's even more difficult than that because the best newspaper strips, um, and there are there are many great newspaper strips. I'm a big fan of old newspaper strips. Um, mm. Artists like uh, Windsor Mackay, mm. Little Nemo, and Slumberland, yeah. mm. and Hal Foster, who did uh, Prince Valiant. Uh, and who was the guy who did Flash Gordon? Alex Raymond did these wonderful newspaper strips. Um, but the thing about a newspaper strip, um, which which very much applied to the V-Birds episodes, was that, but to take that newspaper strip analogy, you have three or four panels. And the first panel has to recap in some way what you read the day before. Yeah. Because you have to remind the, the audience of where you are. The middle two panels move the action on. The third panel, or the fourth panel, has to leave you with a climax. It's setting up the next day's episode. That's a, that's a tough, it's a tough format to write within. And actually, I had learned that format through working for the Daily Star with our newspaper strip, The Workers. All of this stuff that I'd done in years previously began to come into play once I came into the animation industry. I trained as a film and video editor at, yeah. at, at art school. I went into comic books. Well, comic books teach you timing and pacing. Um, I, I, I did things like the newspaper strips, which, which really force you to be economical with your storytelling. Um, all of this stuff came into play once I became a, particularly when I became a director. Um, so, so we had this weird format of episodes where they were one minute long. It was also decided, again, like the U2 video, that there would be no lip sync because we were producing it on such a short and tight schedule. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so uh, the, the technique you're using, was it drawn or was it... It uh, was, yeah, yeah. It was, it was hand, it was original, it was drawn animation, yeah. but then cleaned up in flash. So it was a vector, so you scanned it in and yeah. vectorized it? Yeah, yeah, yeah scanned okay. it in, vectorized it, cleaned it up and coloured it in flash. Are yeah. we... What's the time frame now? Period-wise. Period I guess we're talking 2001? At this point, so still really, I mean, not pre-digital, but certainly, I mean, digital now, you know, we're talking almost 10 years later. You know, this was kind of still very much at the beginning of of digital. Um, I mean, at that point, and I might be wrong on this, and I apologise if somebody knows better than me on this, but I think the only big uh, TV series at that point that was digital was Reboot. Yeah, yeah. By Canada's mainframe. Might have been mainframe studios, yeah. I think. What kind um, of show is that? Reboot. It was kind of a cool sort of set within some kind of computer world, as I remember. Yeah, it was. It was sort of aimed at sort of. Oh, I, I guess. Like a Neutron game. Yeah, kind yeah. of. Well, after Tron. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess it was kind of Tronified. Um, so, so yeah, digital still really wasn't massively around at this point. So, uh, so yeah, hand-drawn animation. Uh, I was 
I was both lucky and clever in that I picked uh, a very, very smart team to work with me. And I, 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 was, I was smart enough to recognise good animators. And I was lucky enough that I was blessed with a, a, an in-house team of production people in Cartoon Network UK who really backed me up to the hill yeah. as, a, as a novice. Mm. I mean, I, I, I believe as much as a, as, a, as a director needs ego, I think uh, a director should also be smart enough to use the people that they work with. Yeah. You, you bring the talent. Why That's surround yourself? Of right? course it is. Why surround yourself with talented people if you're going to stifle that talent and yeah. say, no, 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 everything has to be done as I say it. You know, you, yeah. th there's a balance, I yeah. feel, between getting your vision across and also Definitely. and also getting the best out of the people you work with. And at the um, time in London, mm. you had the, uh, I mean, you had the passion pictures. Yep. And then you had illuminated film making yep. features. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a really, it was a very really good time. time. It was a yeah. very vibrant time. Um, Cause before that, you, the last films really were in, there was Titan AE yeah. by Don Bluth, yeah, which yeah. Uh, some studios had some, stuff to do in Fantasia yeah. 2000 yes of course, of course, did some stuff. Yeah, and, uh, yeah exactly it was a great time in, yeah, I mean, yeah. in the UK it was a really healthy time yeah. and, and budgets were good budgets were excellent uh, and, and therefore rates of pay were good yeah. for, for, for the people working yeah. on these shows um, it was a very very healthy time and at um, the same time Pixar was moving no Pixar uh, Disney was moving away from anything yeah uh, any yeah. animation into CG yeah, at that yeah. point, but still, they weren't they weren't there at that point. They were just moving over into it. Um, so, so V Birds came out, and it was the first single was launched, and it was it was relatively successful. I think it got to the first single got to certainly in the top twenty, mm. um, which wasn't bad because was there was only there was only all there was to support it was this this one mini series <laughs> of one minute episodes making yeah. a five minute show. Um, so it did quite well. Um, we also, we did some other stuff uh, where, okay, there's a great story with this, which I'm going to tell you. Uh, um, we did some extra stuff for the V-Birds, uh, one of which, where they were actually talking, one of which we used was an interview for MTV with Trevor Nelson. Uh, Radio 1 DJ. Radio 1 DJ, yeah. The uh, lick. Yeah, the lick. Sort of soul R&B yeah. stuff. Yeah. And uh, it, it had been arranged that the V-Birds were going to be interviewed by Trevor Nelson, but it was all going to be done in animation. So we had an animated version of Trevor Nelson oh, interviewing yeah. the animated V-Birds. Um, it was done in, a, in, in, a, in an animation system called Kadara, which was a kind of live animation system. Very interesting system. I, I, I'm not sure how much it's used, really. I know it's still around, but I'm, I, I've I never even heard of it. No, I, I, it's I, a really peculiar system. You you pre-animate a whole series of moves and and voice movements, and and then you have an operator who can live operate the animation. So you basically have a library that you pick from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, yeah. It's like a puppeteer. Yeah. It's exactly like a puppeteer. Can you sort of time it. And... You can, you can, you can have practice runs on it, so you figure out what your timing is. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you, you're working to voice tracks. I mean, you can do it live as well, but often you're working to to voice tracks. Um, it's it's an amazingly. I mean, even now, it's I still wonder how the operator managed to do it because he was. He was operating five characters, you know, four V-Birds and Trevor Nelson. 
one uh, yeah one operator i guess um and it was it was it was you know reasonably successful yeah it looked pretty good um where was that was that shown just once or i guess it was shown several times on mtv you know i'm sure yeah 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 absolutely but here's here's the funny part of the story is that uh, of course at this point i mean there were girls uh, there were female vocalists who were singing the music for the for the records that were released, yeah. but for the for the vocal acting performances, we we had to cast actresses, proper yeah. actresses, and uh, there were four actresses um, picked for this. And I'm sorry, ladies, I can't remember any of the other four yes. except for one, who was an actress called Sophie Okanewu, uh, who's an incredibly beautiful and talented actress, who went on to be Oscar nominated for the film Hotel Rwanda. Wow. Yeah. She was a V-bird. Sophie, if you're listening to this, I'm I'm sorry if I'm giving away your secrets, but you were a V-bird. And uh, yeah, I I directed you in the studio and we had a great time. And, uh, and she, in fact, she was in, if anybody's listening to this, who's a Doctor Who fan, as I am, she's been in Doctor Who twice. She was in an animated online... She was the voice in an on, online animated Doctor Who series back in 2003, before the series was relaunched by the okay, BBC. Yeah, yeah. And then she was actually in the first series of the new Doctor, Matt Smith. Right. Okay. She played uh, the descendant of Queen Elizabeth, future descendant of Queen Elizabeth. Um, she's a very talented well, actress. She sounds like she was her surname, so that she was from maybe an African. Yeah, yeah, yeah she is. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's a stunningly beautiful woman yeah. and a really talented actress. But it's one again, a proud little moment of mine that you know I've directed an Oscar-winning, uh, Oscar-nominated actress. So, um, so the V backs the V birds. Yeah, they came out and they were reasonably successful, and there was a big vibe building up around them. Um, and they actually also went out on tour. V-Birds went on tour. There was a dreadful, dreadful English group called Blazing Squad. <laughs> oh, Will, Will obviously remembers Blazing Squad. Uh, it was like a posse of 12, wasn't yeah, it? They were like yeah. a collective. A collective <laughs> of 12 12-year-olds, 12 I think, actually. Uh, I'm sure shit. they... they yeah, I'm <laughs> sure they weren't 12, but they look... I mean, I'm yeah. old and they look 12 years old to me. Um, it was kind of... Yeah. But they know, were big. They, they were, were big. Yeah, they yeah. were kind of big. This was all. at a time where uh, just putting bands together, industrializing the idea of that, yeah. and yes. all that stuff. Yeah. Really yeah, 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 for What's sure. the TV series, the English TV series with the, the little the boy, the um, band? Uh, no. <laughs> that was the dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> One boy and his dolphin. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's in the early two thousands, <laughs> and it's it's a it's a it's a ban. Uh, S- I think it's two, two S- girls. S Club 7. S Club 7. Oh, yeah. S Club 7 with Rachel, the one that everybody fancied. Rachel oh, something. Yeah. Rachel Stevens. Yeah. Man, she was, she was fit. And then you had the dyke. And like, the dyke oh, that okay, I'm not, I'm, I'm, right. as somebody in the industry, I refuse to comment on that whatsoever. <laughs> but, uh, just for now, he's grinning. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, so they went out on tour with Blazing Squad, and we 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 produced uh, a so long. So how did that work? The concert. Well, it went really well because I mean there were lots of dancers and there was lots of animation on screen, which some of which we produced, some of which was produced by the wonderful Uli Maya Studio. Oh yeah, yeah. He who he did uh, the Warner Brothers Space. Jam yeah, and absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uli Maya, very very talented guy, extremely yeah, talented yeah. guy, and we worked with a very talented animation director from his studio called Matt Jones. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great guy. Um, and so this is very inside baseball for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. So, so they went out on tour, and it, they, I, I think if I remember rightly, I do. I my memory tells me that one point in the show there was a mashup between one of the V Birds was was a DJ, uh, Delin, if I remember <laughs> rightly, and uh, I think at one point in the show she was DJ, she was mixing on screen in animation, mm-hmm. and I think we had an on-stage DJ who was also mixing. So there was a mix-off between the two characters, yeah. which was kind of cool. Yeah, it was kind of, in a way, it was like what, what gorillas then went on to do with their lives. Obviously on a much bigger, yeah, and I'm yeah. sure far more creatively uh, interesting It was, it was like holograms, wasn't it? it was like yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, this, this was kind of, it was, it was fairly low budget. And, yeah. and, you know. They had like a little DJ battle. Yeah, yeah. A DJ jam. battle, a jam. Was it all basically. playback or were the, the singers there performing live? Oh, I think it was all playback. Okay. I might be wrong, but I, I, I think it was all playback. And, 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 and these concerts were played like in school halls? Or no, no, no. This was a, they, they were supporting Blazing Squad, so it was so full big on arenas. The, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. arenas, and you know, and and this is wow. kind of where things started to go wrong. Sorry, Cartoon Network, but this is where things started to go wrong. Um, you know, when when Passion came out with with Gorillas, um, you know, they they brought and I can't remember the name of the first track. Clint Eastwood. Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess it was. This one was the highway and the explosion, yeah. the moose. No, it was before that. It was the one in the the graveyard. Yeah. Oh, the graveyard. Yeah. Yeah. Is that Clint Eastwood? Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah, it was. Explosion and the moose. Yeah. (laughs) That was later. The explosion and the moose was later. The exploding moose? The exploding moose. (laughs) Now, that's a Norwegian thing. Yeah. Like much, much like the forest cow of Norway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll come back to that story for another time. Um, so, so obviously, when Passion did uh, the Gorillas, you know, that they the first promo came out and the first single came out, and it was very successful. But it, I might be wrong about this, but I do believe they were already well into production of the second promo. Yeah, yeah. And, and certainly, the second single was produced. I was a Sherbet at the time, which is just up the okay. road. So they were, they were sure. It, it was full blown. Yeah, yeah, full on. I mean, big everyone production. knew about it, but it was a secret. It was exactly. That kind of thing, yeah. So by the time the first single starts to slide down the charts, the next track is ready to go because you don't just release a track and you release the white, video with it. Yeah. The, the day is, yeah, exactly. It's all white label stuff, and and also you have to book things up, you know, ages in advance with with the with the channels with with sort of Saturday morning kids shows and yeah. with MTV. Um, but Cartoon Network, bless them, did not have this stuff ready in time. So the first single came out, got into the top twenty. The tour was out. You know, kids, captive audience. I mean, I, th- I think, if I remember rightly, I think the tour played to upwards of 20,000 kids wow. over the tour. That's quite, for a commercial project, a com- you know, I mean, and let's make no bones about this. This is a commercial project. And for a commercial project to have a captive audience of 20,000 kids coming out of a, of, a, of, a, of a venue saying, 
oh, V-Birds, that was interesting. What can I buy? Yeah, yeah. There was nothing out. The toys weren't out and the T-shirts weren't out and the, the next single wasn't ready and therefore the next promo wasn't ready. Yeah. And it just kind of started to fade away. And it was a sh- through the fingers. Yeah, yeah, slipped through the fingers, which was especially a shame because EMI Records had paid a record £1 million for the deal for the V-Birds. Oh. <gasps> Telling tales out of school. Uh, <laughs> this was well, it was well publicised at the time. It was a big deal. It was part of the IP for it, you know. Yeah. EMI pay, you know, a lot of money for a cartoon rock band. But ironically, EMI were also on Gorillaz label, weren't they? Oh, were they? Is that yeah, right? EMI, EMI. Oh, right. Okay, so, that's uh, interesting. Ha! Huh. So maybe was it Sony Records? <gasps> can't remember. What, for the V-Birds? Yeah, I can't remember. Sony were next door to Cartoon Network. They weren't really competing uh, well, Parlophone, for Parlophone, the same Parlophone, market, were they? Parlophone had EMI and Parlophone. Yes. Was the Gorillaz record label. Ah, so I have so, a feeling it might have been It was Sony. like a, a totally different segment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, age, age-wise. No, no, no. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, Gorillaz was aimed at a much older age group. I mean, I'm this was 20, 20 pop. 20 pop. I think it was interesting that EMI... Bought V-Bird, so yeah. they didn't have competition. <laughs> I, oh, I can't remember now. I really can't remember. EMI or Sony. Yeah. One or two. Yeah. But, but you know, actually, there's a history of things like that. Yeah. To, go, to go back to my comic book days, um, well, actually, not my comic book days, but to go back to comic books. In the 1960s in Britain, uh, IPC Comics, very, very big with comics, kids' humour comics, yeah. such as Wizard and Chips and Buster. <laughs> yeah, but... Which no, Will, Buster. yeah, Will, I mean, Will... I just laughed at Buster. Buster. Yeah, Buster. exactly, yeah. Buster. Will was involved with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Will is Buster, that's his <laughs> AKA. Um, and, and basically, they were so successful with their comics that what would happen is IP, IP, IPC would turn around, or Fleetway, as I think they might have been at that point, would turn around and say, okay, you know what, we've had this massive success with Buster. We need to launch another comic. We're not going to let somebody else come out with the competition. We'll launch our own competition. Yeah. And so they'd come out with Monster Fun or, or yeah. something like that. And Monster Fun would come out and be successful for a while. And then they'd merge the two together. And so you'd get Buster featuring Mon- Monster Fun. You know, I was going to call my son Buster because of that comic. <laughs> and I, I ran it by my wife and she looked at me and she said, you're not calling him Buster. I, I think said, that was probably a wise move. I, I still think she was wrong. Ah, <laughs> I think I'm siding with your wife. He's called Fred one. now. <laughs> Buster Asher, as he could have been. Yeah, but Will's wife? Fred Flintstone. All I'm saying. No. That's all I'm saying. Fred Buster. Fred Buster, um, you go now. So V-Birds just essentially disappeared, you know, went down the pan. Within months or weeks? or Time scale, I guess it was probably over six months or so. Well, um, did they end up producing merchandise and stuff, but then there was no audience for it or no merchandise at all? I guess there wasn't much more produced. I think that there might have been some other stuff done after I, I kind of left the project and, and went on to other stuff. Um, I was I was working on a show, uh, ironically, for Andy Frayne, who had been the producer on the manga video mm-hmm. back in the mid-90s. Um, I went on to work with him on, on several series, uh, including one that was... was I, I guess it was for the 2001 or 2002 World Cup. It was it was a 2002, FIFA 2002. Okay, it was the it was a big FIFA produced series. Um, Spherix, which yeah. was yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the the mascots yeah. you know, playing yeah, this kind yeah. of futuristic football game. Yeah, my friend worked on that. So. Oh right, yeah. okay, okay. Oh yeah, yes. Yeah. I I think I know what you're talking about. Are you talking about Ed? No, no, no. Ed, no, no, no. Pete. 
No. Okay. <laughs> we could be here all we night. We could be here all night. Maybe he should just reveal. Yeah, maybe. Big reveal. Big reveal. Oh, Simon. Simon Bancroft. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. of course. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, so I, I, yeah, I kind of, you know, V-Birds went off on its own. I think it, I, I'm told, and I don't know if this is true, but I'm told they're big in Japan. Still? Yeah. Now? Yeah. Well, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, just with the one single. Yeah, just with the one single. <laughs> and here comes the mix-up. Well, you know, no, I mean, there were, there was other weird, because the thing about the V-Birds is they were, they were produced, part of the thing that their, their backstory yeah. is that they were, they were, uh, 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 they came from the planet V. Yeah. <laughs> which which was this planet that had pop, pop farms yeah, right, yeah. and on pop the farms. pop farms which was mass produced rubbish pop the kind yeah. of stuff that we do now on X Factor and, yeah. and Pop Idol and the V-Birds rebelled against this this evil dictator oh the irony the, oh the irony <laughs> oh the irony hangs thick in heaven isn't that the, the same end. story as the Daft Punk uh, movie oh that's interesting it's Is exactly it? the same story. With Interstellar. Yeah. V-Birds came first. Definitely. Daft Punk, you ripped us off, dude. <laughs> Le rip-off artist. It's about Le this, French uh, rip-off artist. About they get kidnapped by this uh, big studio and then they get, uh, they turn into like uh, zombie musicians. Ah, interesting. Okay. It's something similar. Yeah, it's yeah. the same alley. Well, well as, as, as punishment for rebelling against yeah. this, the V-Birds get shrunk and put inside a dance machine and banished to Earth. That sounds like hell. That's hell. Yeah. And, and forced to perform their dance moves inside so, so who, a dance so who machine. who came up with this kind of... Co- was I, that I, you? I, I, no, no, I guess... I mean, the, the initial concept yeah. was, no, was the, was the UB40 yeah. guys. Yeah. Though, yeah. though we, there was there was myself much, really. and, and yeah. several... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. I like... <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess it was it was my it was it was the guys who came up the the, the two guys who approached Cartoon Network. Uh, there was um, a guy called Richard Kilgariff, uh, Dan Balaam, uh, Paul Hackett, and myself all work and C- Serge Seedlitz, yeah. uh, all working at Cartoon Network. And and the ideas were kind of thrown around between everybody, and we all contributed stuff to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's you know, it's really funny. I, I was. I was looking for it recently uh, to because I, I was I was giving a lecture somewhere and I'd forgotten yeah. to take my, my discs with me and so I went onto YouTube to find it so I could just project it up on screen. That's not legal, is it? Yes, yes it's it, it, is, it, it is. was. It was. It was only for uh, for for viewing purposes only, not for repro- educational purposes only, not for reproduction of any kind. Um, you know. You know. I was forced onto a dance machine once. Okay. Oh God. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> this is where this is where the talk goes rapidly downhill. No, it was just like I was actually in England at the time. I was yeah. in Leeds. I lived there for like six months, and um, they Bye. put me on this dance machine. And I remember there was there, one of those uh, twin machines for example. Yes, like, two, I yeah. know the ones. Yeah, yeah the dance smart uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah, and um, you said that dance mat. Yeah, dance, dance mat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and and the girl on my side, she got like forty thousand points, yeah. and then I got like minus. 20, <laughs> <laughs> I could they, hit one. They of the, are it's hellishly, impossible. hellishly different. <laughs> um, actually, there's a little side story. <laughs> when, when, when the V-Birds came out, um, part of the of the of the series and the music video was that obviously they were having to do dance moves, 
Um, so we had no choreographer on the series. And so the uh, choreography was left down to me, to yours truly. So I basically, I went across to HMV on Oxford Street and I bought, bought up a whole bunch of DVDs of, ironically, S Club 7, who we were referring to earlier, oh, Britney Spears, you know, all the kind of pop shite that was around. And, uh, and I based all the choreography on nicking dance moves from all these great pop videos. Um, but of course, as, as any director will do, I filmed myself doing the dance moves uh, to give to my animators. So there is somewhere in the world. On YouTube? No. <laughs> is it on YouTube? I don't think it's on YouTube we have to check. yet. I, I, suspect, I suspect Dick Clark is, is digging a big <laughs> hole for himself at the moment. It, it's out there somewhere. I mean, it exists Great. somewhere. He's busting you. some serious Britney Spears moves. <laughs> Excuse Maybe. me for saying this, but it seems like you were sort of more and more selling yourself to the devil. <laughs> you started out with Looney Tunes. Yeah. <laughs> which, is, well, which is like on the Pantheon now. Yeah, I know, I know. And we end up with... And Beatles. now you're at, with, now you're doing S-Club 7. Yeah, and the, yeah, the, the, yeah, the, yeah. It's a long, rocky road. You know? <laughs> it's, a, it's when you get involved with, with the music industry, you know, you do sell right. yourself, you it's sell great, your soul to the devil. It's a great quote. If you bend over, you can't get up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I bent over. <laughs> no doubt about that. Um, yeah, but I mean, how, uh, seriously, how do you, do you feel about just, like uh, picking up the soap? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, no, no. Listen, I have no problem with that whatsoever. As I said earlier, I'm pragmatic, and and I think if you if you are going to if you're going to operate as a freelancer, um, you know what? There's two ways of doing it. And, and, and I think both of these viewpoints are equally valid. You can have very high standards and very high morals about what you will and won't work with. And, and if that's the route you choose to go down, good luck to you and all of sailing. Yeah. That's not the route I chose. You can be successful. Uh, of course you can. You, but you can, be su- you can be successful in, in either path, frankly. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is. It's down to luck and hard work and, and whatever you want to make of it. Um, I, I have no quandaries whatsoever about who I will work with. Um, partially because, not just because I'm pragmatic enough to know that, that I need to earn a, a wage, but also because I feel that just because you take on uh, a very obviously commercial project doesn't mean to say that you can't bring yourself to it and you can't commit yourself to it in some way and that you can't bring something fresh, and that you can't have fun with it. Yeah. Um, commercial doesn't have to be an eight word. It just means that it's popular that people uh, I, I, I do sometimes get annoyed with people who sort of say, oh yeah, you know, commercial is yeah. a dirty word. I, I think <laughs> great commercial yeah. work is produced. Yeah. You know, I, I have... I have what you're adding to the mix is, is going to end up in the... End. In the product, of so, course, yeah. and, and you do you do have to operate unless you're unless you're somebody, for example, like um, Terry Gilliam has just recently been asked by a huge company whose name's gone out of my head yeah. to do a, a, some kind of uh, online film for them, short yeah. film short. It's not BMW or anything. It's somebody like that. It's like those shorts that yeah. like like the shorts that BMW I think he did needs with the like. Money now. <laughs> yeah, I guess he does. Bless. I mean, he's a big hero of mine. But after, but after, you know, the whole thing with uh, with Don Quixote oh, falling apart a second time, 
Um, you know, I don't he, think he's given he up on that, by the way. No, no, he hasn't. No, 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 absolutely not. I mean, he, everyone but, else has. You got to respect him for that. He's, uh, he's a big hero of yeah. mine, yeah. and actually, his his sheer bloody minded tenacity of trying to get Don Quixote or lost in La Mancha, rather. Uh, no, Don Quixote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Don Quixote out there. I mean, I, it just makes me admire him all the more because he wants to tell that story. He wants to get it out there. And, and you know, the, the Lost in La Mancha documentary, I mean, it's an amazing documentary. Um, and having watched it, you, you would look at the most sane people would look at that documentary and say, I would never go near that project again for the rest of my life. But God bless him. He, you know, ironically, considering what went wrong in that film, he got back on the horse and tried to get it off the ground again yeah. and got very close to it. And I think he's still out there pushing for it. I think they're very close to getting it done again. Wow. Yeah. Um, but he needs to come up with a movie pretty soon. That well, he did Dr. Parnassus. I like Dr. Parnassus. He did the, the small... Um, Tideland. Tideland, was, which was great. Yeah, I, I liked really it. Liked again, that. I liked I mean, it's, it's not... To me, very it's not his most movie. successful film. Yeah, it's a very narrow focus film for yeah. me. But it's, it's still it's adventurous and, it's and very Lynchian and very, you know what? I mean, even at its worst, it's it's better than, than you know, fucking Transformers 2 or whatever. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's got, you know, oh, yeah, Tideland has more creativity in like yeah, three minutes of... He, he brings I love the first Transformers. First, it's like amazing popcorn movie. Yeah, yeah. I love popcorn movies. Yeah. And let's face it, Again, it, had, commercial. it yeah. had Megan Fox in it. <laughs> I mean, you know, you can you can't really go wrong with Megan Fox bending over a car engine, you know, in a, in a crop top. I mean, that's art. The, you could go wrong art. by missing the goal. Yeah, hit the petrol cap instead. had the big Lebowski in it. Yes, <laughs> it, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The no, dude's in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I shouldn't come with any spoilers because it's, yeah, it's, such a it's, it's an interesting thing. little film. I mean, it yeah. really is. Gilliam's Gilliam's and failure is not the right word, but Gilliam's less successful films. Yeah. Are still more interesting than, than sort yeah. of most mainstream films. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, to Brothers me, Grimm. Brazil, Brazil is yeah. yeah, okay. Brothers Grimm is probably his biggest, and I guess even he would think of that as a failure because he had an awful time with it with the Weinstein brothers. Yeah, in yeah. in post production, yeah. it was stop motion. Then it was yeah, yeah, and they they really. I think they did a number on him in, in sort of psychologically because they really came down heavy in post-production yeah. in the editing stage. There is, there is sort of a decent film shining through there. You, Absolutely. Yeah. You can still see it. You can still see touches it's of Gilliam. It's a terrible film, but no, you have no. such expect, expectations. Yeah, it, it's not a great film by his standards. No. You know, it's still an interesting film. Um, I've, forgot, I've completely forgotten how we got onto Gilliam. <laughs> how did we get onto Gilliam? Uh, Anybody know? Z-Birds. Z-Birds. Uh, oh, commercial stuff. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Gilliam has just made a, a film for some, you know, company who's asked him to do it. And he said, yeah, I was reading an interview re- with him on, on, I guess it was Ain't It Cool News. And he sort of said... Uh, you know, this is a chance for me to play and have yes. fun. And and the company said, you can make this film. We're not putting any restrictions on you whatsoever. Like oh, what a great opportunity. Yeah. Would you turn that down just for it yeah. because it's for a big company? Of course not. And and I'm not I'm not comparing myself with, with Gilliam here. You know, what I do is very, often it's very obviously commercial stuff. But I, I still, you know, when I enter into a commercial project... I don't go in thinking, yeah, I'm doing this purely to take the money. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, 
what what of myself can I bring to it? What can I offer the project? You know, yeah, I, of course I have to, often you have to work, one has to work within strict guidelines of, yeah. of whatever that project is, but you can still have fun with it and you can, you know, you can, I mean, look, I'm here in Frederikstad uh, to judge the commission films section of the Frederikstad Animation Festival. And we sat last night and watched everything and judged it all. There were some amazing films. Amazing ideas. Aren't amazing they? ideas. And, and they ran the gamut from, from small, low-budget shorts and commercials and idents to actually quite personal things that, that may even have been commercials, but they still felt like personal work. Yeah. You know, everything from... We watched a, one, one of the things with what was obviously a huge budget Lego commercial. Yeah, there, yeah, yeah. Um, which was very dark. Very, very dark. I mean, almost too dark for its intended audience. You can say now who's won, because this will go out... <laughs> <laughs> My lips are sealed. Uh, we, we actually, we, we had a tough time nailing it all down, because there was so much good stuff there. Um, we, we, all, all I can say is that we have bent the rules somewhat. Uh, in Ten the, minutes. <laughs> yeah, well, we, no, 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 a, a, a very, uh, yeah, everyone's a winner. Everybody who enters, everyone's a winner. Uh, everybody who entered is a winner. But I mean, we, we, we had it, we, we had a tough time narrowing down the honourable, you know, special mentions because there was so much good stuff. Um, the, the winner, we kind of knew who the winner was, but, but the honourable mentions, we kind of, we, we were all really fighting passionately for different things. Yeah. Um, so we, we've bent the rules slightly and we've added an extra special mention. So there are three special mentions in, instead of the two, plus a, a very clear winner. Um, but the, but the level of work was was fantastic. I mean, um, you know, we, we've mentioned the Lego commercial, and I maybe shouldn't have spe- you know picked that out because there's great purely because there's great other stuff in there. You know, um, from, from you're, you're you're just comparing that to something that's so you know, yeah, obviously so, yeah, yeah, obviously yeah, commercial. Yeah, yeah, obviously commercial. There was uh, there was a commercial for, and I'm trying to remember the exact subject matter, I think it was for something like the, the Samaritan, I guess like the Norwegian version of the Samaritans or something. Mm-hmm. And it was a commercial, but it felt incredibly personal. It was very short, very low budget, but it yeah. felt like a, it felt like a personal film. Yeah. And that to me, you look at something like that and you say, okay, it's a commercial, but, but actually somebody has really thought about this and really felt about what they're doing. Yeah. Um, so I, I absolutely, I, I, I would, I would have huge arguments with anybody that kind of says, oh yeah, just because we're doing commercial work, you know, it's crass. Let me ask you, Vincent. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Have you you ever been, uh, started uh, work on something and like maybe like three months in, you, you're very frustrated. And you think like I, I gotta get out of here. This is this is not. Oh for me. sure, yeah, last yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, last night would be a good example. No, 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 no. No, of course, absolutely. I mean, I, I can say that without without any fear of of, of sort of offending anybody. Um, I think I think whether you're doing commercial work or whether you're even, even if you're doing personal projects, you can still find yourself in production of something where you realise you've taken a wrong turn. Now, that might be a, a wrong choice to work on a commercial project, or it might be a very personal, arty project 
where you find yourself six months into development or production and it's something that you've sweated blood and tears over and you you don't believe it anymore. And there's a whole variety of reasons why you might reach that point. But I don't think there's any difference between commercial or, 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 you know, for want of a better word, personal work. Um, I, I think you can easily find yourself somewhere that you don't want to be. And I definitely have. You know, I, I'm not going to name any names, but I have de- definitely, you know, found myself on projects where I think, yeah, maybe I wasn't the right guy for this. Or, yeah. or you know, sometimes you think you, you're the wrong fit or, or you find yourself becoming uninspired by it. And, and yeah, there's a, there's a million and one reasons. I just why. always thought that uh, a, a great animator mm. uh, is someone that is able to get up on his feet again after... Like, if you're working on something over such a long time, sure. uh, like someone like Richard Williams is yeah. such a great example. Yeah, yeah. He, he did what you talked about, yep. doing commercials. Yep. And then in the evening, he had, or, or as a parallel team, he had these other people that worked on Listen, this side project. Most, that's what kept him Most going. companies, you know, even if you're he talking about, even if you're talking about big companies like, like big commercial companies like Passion, or Nexus, yeah. Studio AKA, yeah. you know, they will, they produce their bread and butter, their day-to-day work, and what, what, what keeps the wheels turning for the company is commercial work. Yeah. And they don't but, have any major goals anymore to reach. Well, Studio no, AKA... No, they do, they yeah. all do. Yeah. No, no, you're absolutely wrong about that. Um, if you talk to any of them, Nexus, Studio AKA, Studio AKA Passion, yeah. not only do they do commercial work, but they also do more personal yeah. projects. Lots of testing grounds for their own of projects. Co- absolutely. Um, and, and, and not to say that they, they only do the commercial work to fund the, the personal projects. That's not true. They're commercial companies. But they're sensible enough to know that they can... You know, more personal projects take time and, and they're not always easily funded from, from the outset. Um, so they know they have to fund these things through through, through more practical avenues. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so, I mean, this could bring us on nicely now because mm. you and I both worked on uh, a TV series, in yeah. England, which was which was a lot going on in the 2000s, yeah, yeah. the noughties. Sure. Yeah. But but now there is nothing there. It's it's, it's, it's uh, a terrible time it's, in, it's, in the British industry at the moment. So can can I mean I haven't been there for now four years, sure. four or five years, and I worked on our series yep. whilst I've been here, so I was never really involved. Okay. I, I think our series was one of the last to be commissioned in the UK yeah. on ITV, yep. which is one of the. the the commercial well, channels. There yeah. you go. I mean, you know, I, I know what you're asking. You know, what is the what is what, the, what what is the state the of the industry? Yeah. I mean, it's. Uh, I'd love to be able to sit here and 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 actually sort of offer some kind of glimmer of hope. You know, yeah. I, I I would hate this discussion uh, to, to kind of end on a downer, but it's not a good time in the British industry at the moment. But, but yeah, that's I can't. Uh, see it's a television. It, it's a whole bunch. Are copying out it's a whole no, no. It's a whole bunch of reasons. Um, I mean, certainly, you know, when you see one of the UK's biggest broadcasters, ITV, uh, and I will name names here, you know, because this is so obvious. Thank you very much, ITV, for closing down your your children's uh, section. That was a really smart move. Um, <laughs> they've, they've lost their future audience. They've right lost there. their future it's, audience. Uh, and, and, you know, their future audience for, for material... That is, that is organically grown and developed within the UK and not only developed with, with the UK in mind, not to say that it should be UK exclusive, mm. but, but certainly, 
you know, material that is homegrown and also supports a homegrown industry. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. very important. It's it's incredibly important. The industry really started to suffer when ITV shut their doors. Yeah, because there was no competition. There was no there competition. Was no, there was no incentive. Absolutely. Um, I mean, you, you know, you had uh, people like Sarah Sarah Muller who were over yeah. at the BBC. Yeah. You know, fighting very hard to sort of keep productions going, but she, the BBC suddenly were existing in in a non very non competitive environment and and yeah. again you have you have the other broadcasters like channel 5 um you know they're not a, a, a massively funded channel they're more preschool aren't they they're preschool and they have very low budgets um i mean it's an interesting thing you know we were talking about the boom or not a boom period but a good period for, yeah. for british animation production you had the mr bean by richard Purdy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which was a huge huge yeah, budget yeah, yeah. Uh, i mean there's you know uh, british animation has a long and very distinguished history yeah um you know very sadly cosgrove hall no longer seemed to exist as any kind of company no. whatsoever i mean they were famous for uh you oh. know Years of, of, of great British TV you know, series, you know, Danger Bell. Mouse, yeah, yeah, Duckula, yeah. Wind in the Willows. Yeah, yeah. You know the list uh, just goes on. There, there are who's who of famous British animation series. Um, but so you had, you had when when ITV shut their doors, um, and you had you essentially you've had progressive governments in the UK becoming stricter and stricter and cutting back harder and harder. You know, we've just had the, the UK Film Council. Yeah, which is down. appalling, isn't it? It's absolutely appalling. 10 million, um, that's how much they get a year. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> and they cut that you know, away, you know? And then the, the know, income they make back off that. Ant and Deck, Ant and Deck, that's our, our joint Prime Ministers, David Cameron yeah. and Nick Clegg. <laughs> If you're listening, to, if you ever listen to these guys, to this podcast, I hope you're regulars. You really need to be ashamed of yourselves for, for what you're doing to, you know, you're trying, you're saying that you want to see a healthy business environment in the UK and yet you shut down the film council yeah. and you, you effectively strangle the UK animation industry. Yeah. I mean, come on, look at what, look at, look at successful animation industries the world over. Yeah, the to, to to talk about where we are now. Yeah. Norway is a very healthy country in terms of the way that the government supports the animation and film industries. Denmark also does yeah, the same. Yeah. You know, the, and and for good reason because animation crosses all kinds of borders, all kinds of nationalities. It's it's it, it's a medium that can sell around the world. Yeah. People love animation, yeah. and. You know, to be very commercial about it at the moment, animation is a great way of selling merchandise, uh, which which brings money back into the coffers of, a, of an industry. Exactly. You know, come on, UK government, see some bloody sense in this. Yeah. And as and the, the, the girl downstairs uh, a couple of hours ago at the reception, she said uh, that uh, two out of the ten highest grosses, mo grossing moving of uh, movies, sorry, yeah, of two thousand. Nine, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and that's not yeah. counting all the merchandise. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a huge industry, and of course, Pixar is in the uh, forefront. Yeah, of all yeah that. Pixar and Disney. You've only got to look at the success of those oh, films. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's it, it's terrifying but the a, lack of foresight. There's a great story that's come out. I mean, the last week, which is Warner Brothers buying the studio lots in London. So, oh, I've not heard this. Yeah, yeah, the last week. So. Uh, 
Money-wise. So who have they? What have they bought up? Uh, they, they, there's like 400 jobs are going to be created, as well as keeping a few wow. thousand. It's wow. like a, a a special effects store. And what have, uh, when you say so, what have they bought? Like Elms Tree or no? I have to. I okay. Yeah, we right, should, this is one for yeah. We yeah, should reference. Sorry, listeners. We should reference. If we could get the internet up now, yeah. I can yeah. find it. But, yeah. but they have bought back into the. They they've bought a studio to, to create. Uh, films, props, and special effects, oh, and things that's like that. So that, okay. and, and this is what the government we have now is relying on: is yeah. private investors. Yeah. And Warner Brothers yeah. have invested heavily here, which yeah, is yeah. great news. Yeah, which is fantastic. So well I, done, Warner Brothers. Yeah, I think so. But um, but you know what? They should be supported by the government. Yeah. Why is it up to? Well, look. You know, let, let's let's be realistic about this. I mean, it's not just a case of the animation industry. The world in general is in a pretty rough state at yeah. the moment. You know the, the 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 sort of budgets and the economy in the UK is terrible, and and I do understand that that, that our our new coalition government, for example, in the UK, had very very tough choices to make on 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 the this latest round of cuts that they've announced. And I, I'm not saying that the animation industry should be singled out for special treatment. I, I'm not stupid, and but the simple fact is. They are at the moment. They are strangling an industry. Mm. It's not to say that they should be giving the industry special favours, but they certainly shouldn't be harming it. It's it's already struggling enough. Yeah. Actually, it needs support. It needs tender care at the moment. It needs it needs a gardener, mm. and there is no there's no gardener, healthy gardener, looking after the, the kind of you know the future of the industry in the UK as I see it. Um, you know, There's an interesting parallel there to uh, the Norwegian uh, animated movies because uh, I think it was like a year ago that Egmont uh, shut down their uh, kids' uh, movies department oh, in Norway. Right, right. So, like three of the projects that the company worked we worked at mm. uh, that was uh, that had been uh, I don't know if they had been sold or not. Sure. But they they were. In collaboration with Egmont, and, and they were going to come out one after another, and they right. just shut, shut everything down. Yeah, I so. mean, you know, let's. Uh, oh, leaves. Okay, I've, so Will, Will has just handed me his laptop, uh, listeners, and it's Leavesden Studios, which is where the Harry Potter and James Bond Harry films. Potter. Mm. Harry Potter and James Bond. That's very interesting. So I hope for this is a yeah. Well, look, you know that's that's great. I mean, I, I I'm seeing that they're spending a hundred million redeveloping the site, and that's fantastic. Yeah. You know, and actually, with a case like that, that's a very good example why the government should look at it and say, well, hang on, this is big money being pumped into mm. the country. This is this is an industry that needs support. There's so many tons of people there. You know, and, oh, uh, you know, and there's so much money to be made as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You just have to. Go at it the right yeah. way, I guess. Yeah, it, it needs support. And as I say, I'm not saying that it needs special treatment, but it, it still does need care and attention, yeah. which it's not getting at the moment. Especially yeah. with the animation industry, because I, yeah. I've worked with so many talented people there, and, you know, ugh, it gets me angry. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's a huge amount of frustration yeah, in the British yeah. animation industry at the moment. Yeah. But it, it was interesting, because... Uh, um, during the festival the, yesterday with the Copenhagen Bombay yeah, yeah, which I love. Fantastic. Uh, and in these financial difficult times, there seems to be a tendency that everyone is trying to play safe. Yeah. And then you've got to... Which is understandable. I mean, yeah. Absolutely understandable. But then you see somebody like um, Bombay, Com- Copenhagen Bombay? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sarita Christensen. Yes. That's right. Um, I, I, I attended her, her seminar that was great. and was 
blown away by it. I mean, they are doing astounding stuff. I mean, I've, I've so productive as well. So productive. Like and four I, years. Yeah, yeah. they're going. To, they're the only to me. The only ones going against the the, the tide. Yeah, absolutely. Which is going to reap them yeah. so much. Yeah, yeah, future. absolutely. And they're doing it very smartly. Yeah. You know, the way that they're reinvesting back into their own projects and pushing yeah. things forward. It's absolutely incredible. I just hope the Norwegian studios can oh, see. Yeah. It. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's not just take a book that's 20 years old. Well, you know, yeah. I'm in Norway now. Yeah. <laughs> I have plans. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is what I'm hoping because... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I, I, you know, you now that I'm, I'm, I'm living here and, and sort of teaching part-time up at, at Boulder, um, you know, I also, I have, I have plans to, uh, of my own mm. for development stuff. And I'm hoping that this is an environment that that might just might just we might be able to tie up some plans together. Yeah. Early days. Yeah. We'll see. You know. But it's it's I'm 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 infused especially by now being at Frederickstadt and and seeing the wealth of of talent that's around. Yeah. And and certainly I I mean I and I know they're over in Denmark, but certainly by seeing Slater's <laughs> presentation for. Uh, um, Bombay Copenhagen. Um, that was a toilet seat crashing in the background. <laughs> Papa Bear everybody. is busy. Papa Bear is busy elsewhere. <laughs> so, hey guys. <laughs> I guess that kind of brings us up to date here yeah. Yeah. in Frederikstad in Norway. Yeah. So, we can, we, I think. Uh, I think this interview is oh, going to have to be cut into yeah. two or three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we could probably talk for another couple of sure, hours. Sure, yeah, yeah. Well, so much to talk about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I've really enjoyed this. It's been great fun. But so. uh, just before we round off, I've, I just have to ask if you've seen this movie called Little Otik by Swankmeyer. No, I haven't. You're lucky then. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do, I, going I do understand it's a topic of conversation, <laughs> and so, I did promise myself that I would now go and watch it. <laughs> so we could take two quotes from you. I love Little Otik. Okay. Fuck off, Little Otik. Are you ready? <laughs> I love Little Otik. Little Otik, go screw yourself. There we go. You can choose the I, either of those. I'll go and watch it, and then you can cut this in later on. Dave King, <laughs> Dick Clark, <laughs> Dick, yeah, say Dick Clark. That way, I'm, I'm, I'm front, safe yeah, anyway. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I'd love to hear more about uh, your sort of your ambitions of the teaching methods and stuff like that, because I know that there's a lot of students listening to this. Mm. So maybe later you, we could do sure. like a Skype thing, For or sure. like some That'd sort of seminars. You Absolutely. Know? Yeah. 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 Think, uh, yeah. Maybe yeah. I can introduce Introduction to absolutely, you know, but Boulder's a Boulder is a very, very highly regarded animation course. Yeah, rightly so. Um, it's well known outside of. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. People know it outside of Norway. Yeah, it's got a very, very good reputation. Um, you know, I mean, certainly within within the Nordic countries, you know, Volder and Animation Workshop and you know, Danish Film School. Yeah. It's like it's like Farnham in the UK. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Heritage, yeah, yeah, yeah. Heritage, absolutely. Gunnar has been a really good ambassador for yeah. Norwegian yeah, yeah. animation Gunnar, for years. Gunnar and, and you know, and Andres now sort of yeah. sort of in there behind him, and, and hopefully myself. You know, that's I mean, and, and that's not an ego thing. That is that's why I'm here. You know, and not just to be a teacher, but also to try and I'm kind of almost in a way being a reverse ambassador, you know, <laughs> kind of coming into into Norway. I mean, I've, I, you know, I, I first started teaching. Uh, this is a subject for another time, but I, I started teaching it in Volda about eight years ago now. 
Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, in fact, you, yeah, you were there when I first came over. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I've been teaching at Boulder for like eight years or so now, um, and and uh, I've kind of come over for for a variety of different reasons, which we can talk about later. But it's it's a very highly regarded course, yeah. and and I'm really proud to be teaching there. You know, I'm in very good company. But I'm I'm, I'm excited because I think you. You know, you're, we haven't touched on what you've sure. done, but, yeah. but what you've touched has had a success. So it's, sure. uh, yeah, it, it's, it's much be, needed uh, expertise. Yeah, I, I, I hope, I think more than anything else, it's not even so much what I've done. I hope that I'm bringing uh, some enthusiasm. Yeah. Seems yeah. like they're lucky to get you. Uh, well, I couldn't say that. There you'd, 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 have, you'd have to ask Gunnar Andres that. Guys, are you lucky to have me? <laughs> answers on a postcard no and I, but I'm, I'm lucky to be there with them as well I mean it, they're, they're, it's a fantastic place to be yeah. um, anybody that's ever been to Volda will tell you it's a very unusual atmosphere there yeah. it's, a, it's a it's a very isolated place but it, it has I'd a like unique to, uh, atmosphere you, actually you guys should come up and do a yeah. podcast from, well, maybe from Volda maybe for the, sure. the degree show yeah. or something yeah, yeah absolutely uh, that would be wonderful there as well. yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah every year great little festival which is run by the students and we can all Crash at uh, Dick Clark's place. Dick Clark's place. Yeah. yeah, you could crash at Dick Clark's place. <laughs> yeah. Dave King will be living yeah. safely up the road somewhere, but Dick Clark, <laughs> sure, you can go and stay with him. <laughs> Excellent. Have we, we, we actually pointed out why you're Dick Clark? The, the real reason oh, is yeah, that Ireland said so we have to get Dick, uh, what's his name, Dick Clark onto to the podcast. <laughs> I said, but who's Dick Clark? He's still there. Yeah, the English guy, Dick, went, Dave, Dave King. Dave King. And he went, yeah, yeah. And I went, Dick, Dick Clark. <laughs> so this went on several times, and he said, what about Clark, Dick, Dick, Dick Kent, Clark, Dick? Look, you know it's what? A... You pay me enough, you can call me anything you want. Hi. <laughs> but I have a way to remember it now. It's, it's a mix of uh, Dave Letterman and Larry King. I don't mind that. I don't mind that good at company. all. You know, that is good company. I, I have no problem with your name. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. It's, this, it's this sad sack over here. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should end it up that, sure, on that note. Uh, Guys, thank uh, you very, thanks so much. Thank yeah, you yeah. very much. It's been a pleasure. Been really I fun. think we would have been here all night. <laughs> <laughs> it's been great. Thank you. So, yeah.